Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Joseph was a person with a dream. And despite personal conflicts, slavery, imprisonment, and disappointment, Joseph found a way not to allow those things to block the flow of his potential in the times where it mattered the most. This is a lesson that the church can learn from and operate in today. In today's message, we continue our series titled Purpose, Potential, and Power with message three titled Releasing Your Potential. Listen in, take notes, and I'll be with you at the end of the broadcast. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. (laughs) I'm going to take my time today with uh, what we're going to talk about, and uh, I really want you to grasp it because it's, it's going to sound complex, but it's really simple. And it might sound complex, it might be a little hard to figure out where I'm going at first, but I want you to listen close, because we're still talking about purpose, potential, and power, and last week we talked about the power of love, and the week before that we talked about, uh, not week before that, but when we began in September, we talked about turning points. And so now we want to talk a little bit more in detail, but I want you to, to see a story that I want, to, I want you to keep in your mind as I talk to you about other things. And uh, it's really, really important in this season in the church that we understand um, God's heart. See, God, God's heart is, a, is something that we don't often understand because it's difficult sometimes to grasp the identity of God and who God really is. And it's, I know as an unbeliever, I, I struggled to even conceive of, of, of the God that is talked about in Christianity. Because I, I could not take an eternal being that makes everything, and I couldn't ascribe to that being a personality that would love humanity. And I wrestle with that about how to put those pieces together because how can there be this eternal creative force that is able to do uh, all things and, and, and by some miraculous way has some boom that, that causes all life and understanding to be made. How can that then have a personality that would actually be concerned with my turning left or right? But I struggled because I didn't understand the nature of God. I was observing the behaviors and the outcomes of God, but I didn't understand his nature. And sometimes we can know other people. We can observe people. See, our president, I see things, but I don't know him. So all conclusions I make about the president and his behavior, every conclusion I would make about the president, I would have to make it from a distance and not by relationship. Amen? Every, everything I would know about our previous presidents, I only know by distance and by what I saw. I don't know that by relationship and connection. And because we don't always have access to people, we don't always know them. We only see things. And so when you observe things from a distance, sometimes you don't have all the information. But that's true of God as well. 
And because I was an unbeliever, I was trying to know God from a distance. I couldn't know him. I could only see things and make conclusions. Which is why God said, I so love the world that I'm sending my son into the earth that you might know him. (laughs) You might know him in his resurrection power and the fellowship of his suffering. That's what God wants. He wants us to know him. So Joshua, excuse me, in the book of Genesis, we're going to see a couple of individuals. And let's begin reading at verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger. In the land of Canaan. Now Jacob's father was Isaac. And Isaac is the son of Abraham. We know Abraham went into Canaan not knowing where he was going. He was headed for a promised land that God was going to show him. And what did he do? He told his sons the same thing. And so his sons went out looking for the promised land. The promise that they heard from God from a distance. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the genealogy of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. Notice that he said this is a genealogy, but he starts telling a story about the 11th son. (laughs) Amen. This is the genealogy of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. He has 10 older brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. And he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. And then, behold, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you reign over us indeed? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told this to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? (laughs) And his brothers envied him. Now they hated him first. And then they envied him. (laughs) But his father kept the matter in mind. This story is about a young man, 17 years old, beginning to have dreams. And as he began to have dreams, his dreams cause other people to hate him. 
His dreams begin to have his own family members look at him differently and his own family members look at him in such a way that they are, are, are angry with him for having the nerve to dream that they would bow down to him when he's the 11th of 12 sons. And they were angry with him because he had the nerve not only to have the dream, but then to tell us about the dream. It's one thing for you to have it, but then you're going to tell us do you expect us to bow down to you? <laughs> See, Joseph is having a dream, and the dream is actually coming from God. And this dream that comes to him from God is agitating others. Sometimes when you have a dream, and I'm talking to you guys as leaders in here. I'm talking to you specifically as, as, as leaders, because all, everybody is a leader we don't all understand our leadership. And we all think leadership means that you stand in front of a group. But leadership is influence. And that's all it is. All leadership is, is influence. And all of us are influencers. You, if we find that we can't lead people to Christ, it's because we haven't figured out how to influence them. If we find that people aren't following us, it's because we haven't figured out how to influence them. Whatever our influence is, it is a matter of understanding that that is the key to our leadership. And most of the time, the key to our leadership is found in the dreams that God gives us. But the problem with leadership and the problem with dreams is that sometimes when you dream, other people don't like it. And there are many dreams that people have had that they have retracted because they ran into the force that's connected with being a dreamer. <laughs> See, you have a purpose, you have potential, and you have power, but I guarantee you have something else. You have a wall in front of you. And you have to figure out how to go through the wall. And sometimes the wall looks like people. Sometimes the wall looks like your own weaknesses. Sometimes the wall can look like anything else. But the ultimate thing is you have to understand that when you hit the wall, the dream is there to sustain you through it. <laughs> See, when he has a dream, he's in the center of the dream. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. Let me, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to go somewhere. I'm, let me just keep on, on that. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Tell your neighbor, say, you look like a dreamer to me. Now, we know in the story of Joseph that as he had the dream and his brothers began despising him, he brought an evil report of his brothers back to his father. He said, Dad, them lazy bums ain't doing nothing out there. You told them to do this and they ain't doing it, Father. And they hated him for that. They hated him for bringing an evil report back to the Father. Ephesians chapter 1 starts to introduce something that seemed going to seem unrelated when I first read this. But I want you to listen to verse 15 and through a few other verses. Therefore, I also, this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease 
to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Two things here. Paul said, I heard about you. But the two things I heard, I didn't hear about all your works. I heard about your faith and I heard about your love. That's what I heard about. I heard about your faith and I heard about your love. And because of that, I'm praying for you. He said, well, shouldn't you be praying for me to get some faith and some love? He said, no, no. Once I heard about your faith and your love, I started praying for you. <laughs> I started praying for you because if you got faith and you're operating in love, then I already know you have an adversary that's coming after you. So I'm praying for you. <laughs> Once you start exhibiting some faith, you start exhibiting some love, it's just like exhibiting a dream. Once you do, the enemy's coming. Once you start to move in faith, oh man, praise God, I, I got a vision. I'm going after, guess what? The enemy's coming after you. Oh, I'm going to walk this love walk. Oh, praise the Lord, I had this awesome message. It, made, it hit my heart. I'm going to walk in love. Guess what? Somebody's coming to knock you off of love. <laughs> and guess what? They don't know they're coming. They think they're just living their life. They think they're just doing their thing. They don't realize that the adversary has turned them and gotten them into position in order to get and rub you the wrong way. And we think that they're doing it on purpose. Trust me, they're not. Because <laughs> you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. That's not who your enemy is. They're not conscious of the fact that they're being used. Now, the ones that really are, they are demonic and you see them a mile away. But most people have no idea they're being used to rub against you. Jesus said, I got 12 disciples, and one of them is a son of perdition. <laughs> he said, None one of them. He said, I got 12 disciples, and one of them, he's, he, I know where he came from. But guess what? He didn't move him. Jesus knows exactly who Judas is. He calls him the son of perdition. He knows exactly what he is. But he didn't move him. How come he didn't move him? What if he's going to spoil the rest of them? If he, they could be spoiled, they would be spoiled. Because leadership is influence. <laughs> Are you listening to what I'm telling you now? If they could be spoiled, they would be spoiled. <laughs> Amen. In other words, if an influencer is coming at you and there's nothing for that influencer to tag in you, then you can't be spoiled. You can only be spoiled when there's a little rottenness already in there. Do you understand what I'm telling you? See, so understand, we have to understand the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to identify and be influenced by the Spirit and not by the stuff outside of us. See, you're born into the world a sinner. You're born with a sin nature. You can't help it. And because you were born with a sin nature, when sin comes around you, there's something about certain sins that agree with you. It agrees with the nature that's in you. Now, certain things may not be your nature, so they don't bother you. But certain things agree with your nature, and when they agree, what do they do? They 
connect with you. That's why we're supposed to renew our mind so that we can limit those connection points. In the renewing of your mind, you start minimizing the connection points so that when things that are not of God come to influence you, they don't find any space in you. Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I'm praying for you that your faith fail you not. Woo-wee, come on. Jesus said, look, the enemy's coming after you, Peter. You have walked, Peter, you have walked on water. Peter, you have stood by me. You have cut off somebody's ear in faith, trying to protect me. Peter, I know all these things about you. Peter, you were with me when I talked to the Father and I changed. And I started shining like light. You've seen my glory, Peter. And because I heard of your love and your faith, I'm praying for you. Amen? Sometimes when you tell people, look, I'm praying for you, they think, there's nothing wrong. You don't get it. I'm not praying you because something's wrong. I'm praying you because I've heard of your love and your faith. I know the enemy's after you. I know that something's going to try to come and knock you off of what God has given you. The gains that you have made, the strides you've taken forward. I know that the enemy's coming to knock you off of those things. And so even though there's, quote, nothing wrong, I know something's out there. And I'm praying for you. Amen? Amen. When you pray for people when something's already happened, you know what? What we're doing is calling on the Spirit to aid them, aid them. But when we're praying ahead of time, we're taking authority over those things that would try to destroy them. Look at this. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? The knowledge of him. Now my phone is ringing. Who is trying to call me (laughs) at 1141? Amen. Praise the Lord. The son of perdition trying to call me. (laughs) Ain't no better than dialing my number right now. Amen. (laughs) The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. See, when Joseph had a dream, he didn't understand it, but God was dropping a spirit of wisdom and revelation on him and other people didn't understand what God was dropping onto him and so they resisted him they fought against him they told him how angry they were and eventually they sold him into slavery his brothers how deep does the hatred have to be for your brothers to sell you into slavery how angry does somebody have to get in order to be to that point now I know brothers that have wrestled and done all kinds of stuff But ultimately, we're brothers. But not in this case. They said, you know what? We need to not only, we need to get rid of him. 
We're tired of hearing about his dreams. We're tired of the favor that he has with our father. We need to get rid of him. Why? Because the spirit of wisdom and knowledge was coming on Joseph. He was starting to get vision about things. He was starting to see things that God was guiding him into. And we know later on, because we know the end of the story, those visions were for all of their lives to be preserved. But they couldn't see it. They just knew he had a vision. Amen? Listen, look at this. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling is your purpose. Why does God hope? What is God's hope for you? What does God have in store for you? What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? In other words, you have an inheritance that is resting on you, not because of you, but it's in your saints next to you. My inheritance is not in me, it's in you. And your inheritance is in me. And your inheritance is in the person next to you. Why? Because God has designed that we be interconnected. What did God tell Adam? He made him and he looked at him and he said, no, you know what, this ain't working. It's not good that man should be alone. I need to have him have a partner. In other words, there's no thing that you can do with your purpose until you find a partner to release your potential. No person can fully release their potential by themselves. They have to have a partner. God says, it's not good that Adam should be alone. Guess what? I gave him dominion, but that ain't right. I need him to have a partner comparable to him that can be with him in his rulership and his partnership and his work. Tell your neighbor, so you can't do stuff alone. One of the reasons many of us have unfulfilled dreams is because we haven't found the right partners to work with our dream on. One of the reasons our dreams are unfulfilled because we have not found the right partner to work with. And guess what? The partner doesn't necessarily have to be your spouse. It has to be somebody who sees what you see and can work shoulder to shoulder with you. Because you can't do it by yourself. Amen? You might be a great widget maker, but you need something to go with the widget. Amen? Woo, we make nuts and bolts. We go, we make, man, man, we, make, we make the best nuts and bolts in the world. But what you doing with them? <laughs> they don't mean anything unless they're part of the construction of something. And when those things come together, then, woo, man, man, the best guy with the best nuts and bolts is with us, man. We got all our stuff stick together. <laughs> Amen. Your potential is only as good as your partnerships. Amen? Y'all the right bunch today. I I love you. I like y'all. Amen. When I heard about your faith and your love, I prayed for you. And I prayed that you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation concerning the things of God. And Lord, and I'm praying that your eyes be open, that you understand the hope of God's calling, that you came into this earth with a calling on your life. You are called to do something. And guess what? I also hope that you understand that your inheritance is with the saints that are around you. Guess what? God has made people to be partners with you and doing what you're called to do. There's nothing worse than a lonely Christian. 
You know why? Because the enemy has done something to box us in and keep us from our inheritance. Mm. Are you with me? That's why it's so important for us as believers to understand that God is love. That God's desire is for as he is, so should we be in the world. In other words, we have to become that same love because what does love do? Love will not remain alone. Love will reach out to somebody. Love's going to reach out to somebody. Love's going to touch somebody. Love's going to do something. Because why? Because we've been designed that way. Because God says to Adam from the beginning, Adam, I want you to understand, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm making a partner. You've got to seek out your partner, Adam. I'll bring one to you. You got to seek it out. Amen? Your purpose is that you may know the hope of his calling. Your potential is locked into the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There's riches in the people next to you. Tell your neighbor, say, there's riches in you. Come on, there's riches in you. Come on, there's riches in you. Come on, don't take it light. There's riches in the person next to you. Come on, we're not just talking. We, 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 we're saying what the Word says. The Word says that there's riches in the inheritance in the saints. The people next to you have riches in them. Woo, man, you got a gold mine sitting next to you. Now, you might have to dig it out, <laughs> but amen. <laughs> There's riches next to you. There's riches in your grasp. It might take some work to release it because it might have been buried. How's the enemy bury your riches? He buries it through wounds. He buries it through rejection. He buries it through fear. That's what the enemy does. He comes and buries your treasure. Why do people bury treasure? So nobody else can find it. Amen. Tell, tell your neighbor, say, you ain't no pirate. <laughs> you ain't burying no treasure. <laughs> Amen. You ain't burying no treasure. You are not a pirate. No. We're revealing treasure. We're not burying it. Amen. We're revealing treasure. Why? Because we know the person next to us has a treasure inside of them. And because we know that, guess who else knows it? The barrier of treasures. <laughs> Amen. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? What is the exceeding greatness of God's power toward us who believe? All of us who operate by faith have an exceeding greatness of power available to us. And which power is it? It's according to the work of his mighty power. In other words, God's power is your power. Amen. That's hard to deal with, isn't it? That's why he said to us who believe, <laughs> amen. 
What do we believe about God's power and its availability? What do we believe about it? Peter all of a sudden got inspired to believe God's power can make him walk on water. He got out of a boat and did indeed walk on water. What? Yes. But then the waves hit and the storm came and he began looking at them rather than looking unto Jesus. Ooh-wee. Come on. Sometimes I hear stuff from God, and I say, God, can we do that? He said, if you keep your eyes on me, you can. Ooh, if you keep your eyes on me, you can. He said, but guess what? The wall is out there. That enemy's out there. He's going to try to whisper to you. He's going to try to get you to look at him. He wants your idea. He wants your focus. He wants you. He wants to keep you from revealing who you're called to be. He doesn't want you revealing your, your potential. Man, what would happen if every, every believer, every Christian could reveal their full potential? What would happen? What would occur if every believer could just all of a sudden just see, hear God and just do what God says to do in the moment? What if all the ideas that come out of heaven and hit us in the night when we're sleeping, what if we wrote them down and then said, I'm doing this today? Whoa, come on, what would happen? What would happen if your potential got released? <laughs> Amen. How many of y'all had dreams that you didn't do because you got scared? Huh, come on. Come on. I made my true confession. Told y'all I had, I, I had an opportunity to do something. I got scared, scared, scared. And I wouldn't call it scared then. I call it scared now because I'm over it. <laughs> well, I just wasn't sure then. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is for me. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I, well, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm pondering on it. I'm, I'm going to make a decision later on. It's right here, right now. Yeah, but I'm thinking about it. I got I to make sure this is God. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm just trying to, you know, I want to make a mistake. Why don't you want to make a mistake? I'm scared to make mistakes. <laughs> Isn't it, isn't it awesome that God says that if you fall, you have an advocate from the Father, the righteous one, Jesus, the righteous one, who will forgive you and cleanse you, right? So why are we scared to fall? If Jesus says, turn to 1 John, chapter, 1 John chapter 9, excuse me, 1 John chapter 1. Verse 9. Let's go there. Take a look. First John, chapter 1, verse 9, says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If he'll forgive you of sin, will he not forgive you of mistakes? <laughs> So why are we scared to make a mistake? Oh, that's a different, that's a different passage. We want 1 John. That's uh, St. John. We want 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. When you got to say amen. 
Amen. Listen, to, listen one more time. I'm going to read it again. And matter of fact, I'm going to read verse 8 to go with it. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I'm a sinless man of God. You a liar. That's the first sin right there. <laughs> Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. <laughs> but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If God will forgive your sin, will he not forgive an error or a mistake? It's a matter of the heart. So sometimes Christians are walking around afraid to make a mistake. But fear involves torment. <laughs> and we are, we're not people of torment. Amen? Amen. All right. Come on. Let's, let's keep moving. Go back to Ephesians 1 again. Ephesians 1.19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. In other words, the same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead, he's trying to give access to the church. He's trying to give us the same access, but... Go to Hebrews. Hebrews 11. The reason we can't access it is because God only allows access through two things. Hebrews 11 and 1. You know what it says. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The very first thing is faith. What did Paul tell the church of Ephesus? He said, I've heard about your faith. I've already heard about your faith. I know that you are able and you have access. I already understand that about you. I understand your faith is already operating and the enemy's coming after your faith. I already know that about you. I already know that. And not only that, I know that your faith is working because of the love that you have that the love that you have is working in you and it's trying to manifest itself through you and because it is, the enemy's coming after you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God because he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The first thing is about faith, understanding that faith is what pleases God. There's some people who tried to live religiously. They tried everything they got in them to live religiously. And guess what? They said, man, God feel like God's not pleased. He's not pleased with religion. He's pleased with faith. <laughs> God's pleased with faith. I'm righteous by faith. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, I am righteous by faith, not by works. My works follow my faith. Amen. Don't put the cart before the horse. Amen. Don't try to get your works to build your faith because it doesn't work. Amen. That's a court, cart out front. You need the horse out front. The horse is your faith. Come on. The horse is going to give horsepower to your faith. Amen. Your faith is what's going to move you, energize you, going to build you to go forward and live the way you want to live and need to live in order to be pleasing to God and operate in your purpose, your potential, and your power. It's your faith that's going to allow you to do that. Because if you have no faith, 
If you don't believe God, then how are you going to please God? See, the adversary wants to keep you in that doubt state, wondering if, concerned, I don't know about God, I don't know if God receives me. I don't know if God fully receives me. Maybe he'll receive me when I get this right or get that right. No, God receives you when you say, yes, Lord. That's when God receives you. Now, what you do with your purpose, what you do with your power, what you do with your potential is up to you once you say yes to God. Because there's him receiving you and then there's you getting the fullness of the benefit of knowing God. Man, I want the fullness of the benefit. I want the full benefit of knowing my God. Amen? I want, I want to make something. I want to write something. I want to build something. I want to do something with all the things that God has given me and given me capacity to do. Amen? <laughs> Go to John, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John no, skip that. Let's, go, let's cut to the chase. Galatians 5 and 6. Galatians 5 and 6. Galatians chapter 5. You go to verse 6. I'm going to begin at verse 4. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. In other words, if you attempt to be justified at all, you're separating yourself from Christ. <laughs> Amen. You've fallen from grace. If you attempt to be justified by the law, you're going to fall off of the grace of God that's been made available to you. Verse 5, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Faith is the substance of things you hope for, evidence of things you can't see, but your faith needs love to work through. See, Joseph had a dream, and in the dream, he was the center of the dream. And everybody hated it. Because Joseph was still immature. He didn't understand that God was giving him a dream in order to cause love to pour out. God's love for people was going to pour out through Joseph's dream to make a provision for all those who would be affected by the famine. See, in his dream, he was the center of the dream. And God will give you a dream and you'll be the center of it. But you need to know that although you're the center, it's not for you. Your dream is ultimately not for your benefit. You're in the center because God's trying to show you what to do, but you're not the center of the dream. <laughs> Your faith has to have love to work through. And you can do awesome things if you understand how to channel your faith through the love of God. And if you can do that, then all things are possible for them to believe. Because faith is the substance of what you hope for and the evidence of what you can't see. Go to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8 is a quotation from Jeremiah 31 and 31. And Hebrews chapter 8, 
We're going to begin at verse 10. And this is God, this is the book, writer of the book of Hebrews trying to get the people who is writing to to see and understand the picture of God. Verse 10 says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord. Tell your neighbor, say, New covenant. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor. And none of his brothers saying, Know the Lord. For they all will know me. From the least of them to the greatest. Come on, say, great or small, you can know God. Verse 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness mm. and their sins and their lawless deeds. What? Ooh-wee. <laughs> See, the new covenant you're living in means that God wipes away your failures, faults, and flaws. (laughs) And not only does he wipe them away, he said, I don't even remember. (laughs) Hallelujah. You ever ever talk to somebody and you got this story fresh in your head and you tell them, they say, I don't remember that. (laughs) You were right there. I know, but I don't don't remember that. That's, how, that's what it needs to be like in your life. Amen? Somebody telling you an old story about what you used to do, and say, you know what, I, I, I just... I just don't remember that. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sorry, I just... God, do you remember that? God said, I don't remember nothing. I don't remember that. <laughs> I've been here for eternity, and I don't remember it. <laughs> Listen, the new covenant, the new covenant Jesus Christ has brought us is a covenant in which God says, I'm going to come and write this on your heart. You're not going to have to go memorize a hundred thousand different things. You're not going to have to memorize all this stuff. I'm going to come and write. Mm. I'm going to get so close to you, I can write this on your heart. I'm not the God in the sky. I'm the God that's come right down right now that you might know him. Listen, if you get a tattoo, your tattoo artist know things about you you don't know. Why? Because he's on your skin. He's going to spend a couple of hours staring at this. He's going to know every dot on your shoulder. Why? Because he's close enough yes. to touch you yes. and he's right there on you. Yes. He knows you. <laughs> Anybody that gets close to you is going to know you. Yes. And Paul said, I'm praying for you. I heard about your love and your faith, but now I'm praying that you know. You get a spirit of revelation and wisdom that you might know him. That you might know he gets close enough to you that you know him. I know you got faith. I know you got love. But I want you to get so close to God that you understand your purpose, the power that you have, and the potential that's in you. Ooh, man. And how are you going to get to know it? You're going to get to know it because he said, I'm making a promise that this new covenant, I'm, I'm not satisfied 
to drop laws on you. What I want to do is I want to write what I want you to know on your heart. I want to write it on your heart. Woo! And guess what? And I'm going to get so close to you, I'm going to get to know stuff about you you don't want nobody else to know. But guess what? I'm guaranteeing you that even though I know you, even though I'm all up in your business, <laughs> your sins and your lawless deeds, I won't remember. I'm going to so, get all up in your Kool-Aid. I'm going to be the third cup of sugar. <laughs> I'm going to be all, you know, all the rest of it dissolved, but I'm the third cup that won't dissolve. It's just floating around. I'm, I'm in there like that. <laughs> Amen. But your sins and your lawless deeds, I won't remember. So why should you be afraid to make a mistake? If God says, when you fail, I'm not going to remember. When you fall, I'm not going to remember it. I'm going to blot it out. I'm going to wash it. And I'm going to act like it never happened. Your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Woo-wee! Come on. Verse 13. In that he says, a new covenant, he made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. All that old stuff is ready to go, amen? Listen, I'm telling you, God wants you to release your potential, amen? I, want, I know God wants to release your potential. I know God wants to make sure that everything about you, because again, you have to understand the thing that separates people is the enemy. The enemy understands that if people can be split because of failures or flaws, then what does he do? He's accomplished tearing two things together that God does not want broken asunder. Amen? Why? Paul in the book of Ephesians, he said, Husbands, love your wives. Is that, that's in the Bible? Yeah, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives. Don't let the enemy make you bitter toward your wife. Why? Because you guys are going to be close. Close enough to get on each other's nerves. (laughs) Close enough to know your failures and your faults and flaws. Close enough to know them. And when you get close enough to know them, you need to be like God. Because as he is, so are you in this world. And guess what? Your sins and your lawless deeds, I won't remember. That's hard. It means you got to love them out of the love of God. Woo-wee. Amen. It means you got to love them out of the love of God. Amen. Business partners. Got to love each other. Got to love your business partner. If you can't love your business partner, they ain't the one to go into business with. 
we partners, we partners, we love. Yeah, yeah you, if we don't love each other, we may not, we may, may not work. Your potential is connected to your partnerships. But the enemy's coming to break your partnerships. So you have to guard your partnerships. You have to guard your partnerships. You have to guard your partnerships. Tell your neighbor, say, I know God wants me to be a good partner. Amen. John chapter 13. We're going to be ready to close in a second. John chapter 13. If you want to release your potential, if you want to release your potential, a couple of things you need to do. The first is you have to settle that your purpose is tied to your love. Your purpose is tied to your love. Ultimately, Joseph, after his brothers sold him, in the end, when he is standing as a, a ruler in Egypt, and his brothers don't know that he's there, and they come in, his love pours out on them instead of anger. Now, he could have easily said, you know what? Because of you jokers, I was a slave. Do you understand? Y'all made me a slave? <laughs> Do you know what a slave is, man? <laughs> because of you jokers, I thought I was free from being a slave, and then I got thrown in prison after that. Because <laughs> of y'all. <laughs> and guess what? We would have amened him and said, you right. <laughs> But that's not what came out of him. Because all the time he was in prison, he wasn't meditating on what went wrong. Woo, come on. In prison, he was not meditating on what went wrong. Because if he had, he would have been consumed and his gifts would have never been released in the prison. And when he was a slave, in order to be blessed like he was. The enemy wants to steal your blessing by getting you tied up in anger, tied up in wounds, tied up in those things. The enemy wants that stuff working in you so that you cannot focus on releasing what's in you. An angry man can only release hate. And that hate might come through his gifts. <laughs> it might come through his abilities but it's going to be tethered with hate when it comes out. But a good man, out of the abundance of the treasure in his heart, brings forth good. Same gift operating. One's producing love, others producing hate. A new commandment I give to you. John chapter 13, verse 34. That you love one another as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples because you have love for one another. I'm going to ask you a question. 
will, if, the, if the world sees Christians loving each other, is that, would that, how does that make anybody impressed? The word, this, by this men will know that you're my disciples because you have love for one another. But if we all loving and we're all kind to others, then why would the world be impressed with that? Don't sinners that get along get along? <laughs> don't unbelievers who don't get along, don't they get along? <laughs> so why would it be special if Christians get along? Because <laughs> it ain't what happens when you get along. It's what happens when you don't get along. <laughs> That's how they'll know you're my disciples. Because even when things don't go right, you still have love one for another. <laughs> Amen. Even when things don't go the way we plan, we still have love for one another. In other words, by this men will know you're my disciples because no matter what, you love each other. You love each other no matter what because you understand that if we can love and stick together, boy, guess what? Our love will increase and make the channel for our faith to go forward. Man, we can do supernatural stuff. If even in our conflict we understand how to still walk in love and still allow the love of God that's poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is the evidence that we have the Spirit, to make us lose our faith. Man, I want to stop. One more thing. Go to, uh, go to, uh, go to uh, Mark. Mark chapter 11. Mark 11. Mark 11. Praise the Lord. Mark 11. Ooh. Mark 11. We're going to begin at verse 22. While you're turning, I'm going to keep reading so we can maximize the time. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. That's powerful. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Woo, let your faith loose. <laughs> Whatever you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. In other words, God said, your sins and your lawless deeds, I'm going to remember no more. So guess what? I need you to be like I am in the world. I need you to not remember so your faith can flow. So you can move mountains with your faith. So you can do mighty things with your faith. So you can do tremendous things with your faith. But if we can't use our love as our commandment, our faith won't work. If we wonder sometimes why healing and miracles don't happen, sometimes it's because the love isn't in the environment. Sometimes it's the absence of God love in the environment that's hindering the flow. 
Meditate on that. Meditate on that. Hallelujah. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. I want you to be encouraged today that God has put his love inside of you. God has taken away every obstacle from you. God has removed every sin and lawless deed you ever committed. God has not holding anything against you, over you at all. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what has happened in our lives in the past, God is not holding that stuff over us because we have come to him and he's given us free access to his forgiveness mistakes that we made or things that we came up short on and things that people want to remind us about, all those things. You know what God says? Guess what? Guess what, son? Don't worry about that. I've already washed it. I've already washed it. I'll, matter of fact, I washed it with, with, with kingdom detergent. It gets every stain. It don't leave no residue. You ain't going to look at this and know where the stain was. You're not going to wonder whether or not it's fresh. It's going to be fresh when I wash it. Why? Because God is in the business of cleansing his people. He's in the business of removing every obstacle and roadblock from our lives. God's in the business of, of, of freeing us. But this enemy's out here trying to cloud our minds. He's trying to keep us in bondage. And we have to say to the enemy, you know what? The sun set me free. Then I'm free indeed. I'm free indeed. Praise the Lord. Today's message was titled Releasing Your Potential from our series Purpose, Potential, and Power. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, we want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you by myself or other associate pastors here at Abundant Life Worship Center. Once again, our site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also join us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast, and until then... Please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.